This is the Epilog Audio Experience. The language and content on this podcast may be unsuitable for certain audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of Writer and Geek Show. We are your hosts Vishnu and Shankar, and in this episode, we are going to continue our journey through space. So I think the last episode we discussed a lot about Big Bang Theory and all that kind of stuff, not the series, the actual one, right? Um, and we had promised that we'll talk about uh, James Webb Telescope, which has become a recent um, hit all over the social media, right? People have been sharing, downloading images and all those kind of things which they've never seen before. Um, so before we go to James Webb, right, we had launched something similar to about i think 3 decades ago uh, which was the hubble space telescope right uh, and for its time it was an advanced stuff i mean we didn't have telescopes in space before we had it mostly on the surface of the earth um one of the disadvantages of having telescope on the surface of the earth is that light has coming from distant stars and other objects they have to pass through something called atmosphere so atmosphere has this um phenomenon of scattering light refracting them and all those kind of things so light generally loses its energy by the time it reaches the surface so you will you generally cannot see beyond um beyond the specific distance um in the space yes there are very powerful telescopes on the earth but that is when uh, scientists decide, decided that it would be better to put a sp- telescope in space um so that was a grand plan and that is how hubble space telescope came into existence yeah uh, at a point i'm pretty sure uh, there was need for us to have something out, outside of the planet uh, to observe the rest of the universe because um, as you as you may already know i used to think i think you also used to think that we used to live inside earth rather than on the surface of earth because of the atmosphere right <laughs> yeah um, you know one of the things that i always used to wonder when i was younger right so they all, they teach you that or i have read somewhere that earth has this crust and all that kind of stuff so i thought when you go to space you're either breaking that crust and going out or the sky is also within you know enclosed inside that yeah so that's exactly what i used to think too because uh, yeah if you can't really see what's outside right it's probably because there is a coating or something which is keeping us inside so yeah at one point when uh, humans they exhausted ways of you know looking at the space uh, from on the from on the surface of earth yeah they had to come up with hubbles and you said that yeah hubbles was very popular back then i read a lot about it and came to know that it made a similar impact like how it's make how james webb is making uh, right now just that back then there was no social media where people yeah. couldn't share because when james webb uh, sent those pictures right everywhere you look that's all you saw even linkedin which is a platform where uh, professionals are there right even they were sharing about this achievement uh, just celebrating what we have done yeah then it became a comparison between the same image from hubble versus uh, jwst what people sometimes tend to forget is that this is like a 30 year old technology that you're comparing with something that is present day right it's like comparing um a nokia 3310 with iphone 14 or something like that exactly 30 years down the line probably 2052 oh man 2052 we may have something uh, you know as advanced 
as what James Webb is for us right now. So we would, of of course, com- uh, compare it with James Webb and say that, yeah. I think something is already in the works. They're planning to launch something, um, I think, 20, some few years down the line. You cannot say how many years because, you know, at this planning stage, it would be like a 10, 10-year project which goes out of hand and all that kind of stuff. Because if you look at James Webb as well, um it started i think somewhere in the late 90s uh, after hubble was launched um they had a plan of spending about 1 billion dollars on this project entirely uh, and the project crossed that 1 billion dollars in 2007 and by the time they launched it in 2021 it was a 10 billion dollar project yeah what i read was like uh, even before launching hubble's they had a they had the plan to uh, make something like james webb so yeah, yeah. so um although both are like space telescopes there's a there are big differences right um for example hubble was um launched into a near earth orbit where it's easy to go and service it anytime in case needed and um, i um, i think they did need a service soon after launching because um the mirror had some issue i think the curvature of mirror was not according, according to the plan and it was not able to focus properly on distant objects um and they did some repair literally they uh, gave gave eye glasses to hubble that's what they did they put another mirror uh, or i think it was another lens kind of a thing which corrected that uh, that defect yeah they had to adjust the uh, lenses lens or mirror whatever yeah. it is so that uh, the the images that they go uh, got prior to that were uh, blurry so they had to adjust it manually imagine <laughs> because of that we learned a big lesson so basically from our mistakes we learn a lot because uh, james webb there once it was uh, out in the out out in the space uh, there was no way of you know going and repairing or anything right because it's out of our reach yeah i think we'll come to that um yeah so yeah they did learn from mistakes and uh, they have corrected a lot of those things in uh, james webb as i said there are there are two different generation um devices which are similar in some ways and vastly different in other ways um so before people started calling it james webb um it was called next generation space telescope uh ngst back during the early inception days um and they named it james webb telescope in the honor of second administrator of nasa who was also leading the apollo projects uh pop was popular for uh, the moon landing and all those kind of things so it's aptly named after him um and i said as i said right initially they planned for a 1 billion dollar budget for it which became 10 billion dollar uh, and a lot of extra time as well but yeah i think the final product kind of justifies all that um and it was launched on december 25th uh, 2021 and before it could be operational there were you know various steps uh, like you know from the first day onwards uh, it starts uh, there is a lot of course correction that happens because as you mentioned this um, james webb telescope does not orbit earth in a near uh, earth's orbit it it is out like 1 and 1/2 million kilometers out uh, out in the space which is i think almost um 3 to 4 times the distance between earth and moon So because it is there if something goes wrong there is zero chance of uh, you know repair or doing anything at all 1.5 million 1.5 million, million. okay okay moon is 1 million 1 million kilometers okay yeah yeah and, and there is a reason for that um 
James Webb telescope uses infrared light. Uh, the advantage of using infrared light is infrared is more penetrative than visible light. So if if you are looking at light coming from dif- distant galaxies, right? There's a lot of gas and dust in the space. It's not as empty as we think. So visible light at times f- has difficulty coming through it. So you will not get a clear picture. But on the other hand, infrared can pass through it, and that means um, you would get clearer picture. And all these images that we are seeing, right, which look very colorful and all that kind of stuff, they are all uh, color corrected to visible light. Uh, out of the camera of James Webb, it doesn't look exactly like that, uh, because um, again, infrared is not how we see, so it makes sense to color correct them into visible. Okay, I have a question. So basically, what you get from James Webb is the raw footage. Sort of. Uh, yeah. Okay, then they do the color correction on Earth. They do the color correction. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The, on, I think they might be doing color correct, and I I cannot uh, confirm this, but I think they do the color correction only on the images that they publish mm-hmm. uh, publicly, right? So if you go to NASA's website or their Twitter handle, they publish a lot of in, uh, images uh, just to spark that public interest. And I think in last few months, um, all of us have had a lot of interest in the space program, and I think that is intentional as well. But I think for their purposes and uses, they might not be doing it because yeah. uh, a lot of processing power is involved and all that. And you should also think about the data transfer rates, right? Like these are huge images which are like I don't know how many megapixels big um, of the far off things in the universe. So yeah, it all requires a lot of processing power. And every second that James Webb spends on in space um, is expensive time. Right. <laughs> if you cut that, if you divide the 10 billion to lifespan of maybe 10 years is what is guaranteed. One billion. Yeah. It's a $1 billion per year kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Right. So, um, yeah, so that is what it is. So it takes pictures in infrared, um, wavelength. Um, and one of the reasons it's far out, um, is because it has to be shielded from anything that is hot, uh, because anything that is hot, um, emits infrared radiation, which can, interfere with the infrared radiation that is coming from the space so it cannot be hot at all and the operating temperature of james webb's camera and other equipment is 50 degrees kelvin <laughs> that is just 50 degrees above absolute zero which is i think about um minus 230 ish degree celsius my god okay which is extremely cold mm-hmm. uh, minus 223 degrees celsius um it has to be because if there is a little bit of heat even on the telescope itself any part of jwst it will start interfering with the images and that is the reason they have built a sun shield hmm. they call it sun shield it actually shields from moon as well which is five layered sun shield um, one could argue why cannot it be a thick one layer because thick one layer can still conduct heat these five layers are separated by vacuum which is insulator. you know which acts as a proper insulator and you know defense the camera from any kind of uh, heat coming in from the sun so the side which has a shield has to always face uh, yeah. sun or the moon right yeah so uh. they have mechanisms to make sure and even the orbit the way it is designed is that it will always face the the shield will always face the sun there are um, mechanisms to rotate the camera and stuff to get a to get a, a more fuller view of the sky um, so i think in a day around 135 degrees of sky is covered and over a period of 6 months uh, of orbit i think the 100% of the night sky can be covered by wow. james webb okay yeah. 
just to go back to that infrared thing right we can't see infrared just an example of how it passes through objects is uh, our remote right yes so uh, whenever if you put your hand in front of the remote and sometimes if it's powerful even if you press it uh, with your hand in front uh, it'll change the channel or increase the volume or whatever you're trying to do that is a very good example that is actually right and um, you know any you can go and check that yourself and i think one of the ways you can see that infrared light coming out of remote is that if you use a phone camera or a dslr or any other camera that you have if you point the camera towards the front end of the remote and you press any buttons you actually see a blinking uh, light which is not visible to naked eye okay yeah. but some remotes we can actually see a red light I probably just too many that might be just yeah. an led to yeah, <laughs> signaling that it is actually working or not yeah. but yeah generally you cannot see hmm. but i think there are some i don't know if there are some animals which can see infrared lights we can birds. see ultra oh. ultraviolet uh, light is what i know and their yeah. spectrum is shifted a little bit towards the blue side so they don't see red hmm. instead they get an extra band of uh, ultraviolet yeah, yeah yeah um yeah so that is that, so yeah those are the advantages of using ultraviolet for imaging and they have made a lot of improvements over uh, Hubble Space Telescope the mirror which was used in Hubble was about 1000 kgs uh and the size was about so so the size of the mirror in uh, James Webb is about 6.5 meters uh in diameter which is about six times more area than Hubble but it weighs about 400 kilograms less than Hubble okay because Hubble was using a thick you know thick glass and the glass that was used in uh, James Webb is beryllium glass beryllium is a element i think it has atomic number 4 or something it is a metal hydrogen helium lithium beryllium 4 uh, yeah. it yeah. doesn't corrode easily and all that and it is very lightweight so that is one of the reasons they use it, uh, to kind of you know reduce the weight and all that it was important because unlike hubble hubble could be launched in pieces and assembled in space and all that this had to go in one uh, one piece and the entire assembly pro- uh, yeah process you should watch there are videos on youtube it's so complex there are like i think 400 steps or something to get it entirely operational and imagine it's just every step is a single point of failure because if uh, let's say the solar panels don't expand um, or even if the temperature doesn't go down as expected so 6 months is a cooling period for jwst after deploying the sun shield um you know they make sure that the cameras and other equipment reach a dot operating uh, temperature level so in that journey that it takes to go out like 1.5 million kilometers out in space anything can go wrong and if anything goes wrong it is just 10 billion dollars down the toilet yeah <laughs> yeah I, i read that you know it has 400 points of failure right 200 or 400 i think something yeah. like that even so, if it, I, i don't think it matters much because 200 itself is, yeah. is insane see just opening those uh, it has 16 part part mirrors right so just opening that process would have taken so much of time and uh, yeah and imagine you know uh, Uh, debris or like one <laughs> like one big piece of rock or something going and hitting i was thinking the same there are a lot of micro meteors yeah. and all that those kind of things in space right um even a small scratch on the mirror or any other solar any part of it would have made a big difference and um after i think and other thing is um it was launched by european space agency because it was a collaboration between nasa and europe back in uh, 2002 i think 
um, because there were a lot of questions why they didn't use uh, SpaceX for the launch and all that. But this is like kind of agreed long time back and the project deadline kept on, uh, you know, moving. Um, and also, yeah, the orbit is a little bit complicated. I don't think we can explain that in a podcast probably someone should go and watch a youtube video about it because jwst literally orbits nothing i mean it mm. orbits a point in space yeah, yeah. Uh, along with moving around earth and sun and all that kind of stuff so um you know this is one of the most precision engineering that i probably might have seen in my life right um no wonder it took a lot of time for them to do all this but again we have been seeing things that we have never seen before. Uh, every day there is information coming out, new discoveries, edge of space is getting pushed further and further, I think. But yeah, I was just pondering about this, right? Does it make sense for humanity to do this? You can argue for and against yeah. it. Well, uh, one thing I want to add is that, yeah, it has a complicated orbit because I remember we did an episode on Mangalyan. And we're trying to explain how Mangalyan, uh, you know, reached Mars, the orbit of Mars and how they, I don't know, projected there is the some, whole thing. There is right? some transfer, uh, yeah. what, Hoffman transfer, something, something like that. Like yeah, that. I don't so remember the name I remember it. having a hard time trying to explain this. And that is a project which actually had a point of reference yeah. as, for, uh, you know, for its orbit. But this one does not. So uh, because we are not scientists, <laughs> even if we were scientists, we would have explained it in a way that... Yeah, that is why uh, I completely skipped no one would over have that part. Uh, I would highly recommend all our listeners to go and check some some videos on YouTube. I think there are a few which re- very clearly explain it. Uh, I, although I understood, it's hard to explain. So probably that means that I have not understood it well enough. <laughs> <laughs> so again, coming back to the point, right? I was thinking about whether it makes sense. But if you look back at history, right? We have come a long way, not just in space technology, every other field, Right. In every field, there was investment, there was time invested and there was money invested and someone's hard work invested, right? If if at some point we had all decided not to do it and just continue with the way life is, we wouldn't have made all this progress. Look, at, look at the technology around you, right? You're able to do video call f- to someone sitting halfway around the earth and all that kind of stuff. And I believe that these kind of explorations give meaning to our life as well. And we don't know what might come come out of it. I strongly believe that at some point, Earth is going to be difficult place to live, right? And if we want to think about continuation our, of our race, and I'm again, there has to be an end at some point. But if you want to think about it, I think it's this is a good time to start thinking about it. I know, right? So Earth as a planet has been around for 4.5 billion. Yeah. Is it 4.5? Yeah, 4.5? somewhere yeah. around that. It doesn't and, make and <laughs> few yeah, years here and there. I know. And none of the organisms which have survived here, it has all perished and has never been able to like explore other planets or like just move away from Earth, right? So probably, yeah, this will all result in us uh, as a species um, you know, building a legacy of, you know, being the first to get out of this planet and probably find uh, life somewhere else, live our life somewhere else. Yeah, that's right. And that, I think that is a good point to end our episode as well. But one fun fact before that, uh, do you know that about 99.95% of organism which existed on Earth are completely wiped out? They're uh, extinct already. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that is that is a fact. I think we'll close with that fact and uh, we'll see you soon in the next episode uh, on a different topic. So this is Right Rand Geek signing off. Right, right, right.